You're listening to Set 5 Pass, a podcast about all things Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm your host, JD Shock, aka Juian. Every week there's a new topic and can range anywhere from deck profiles to archetype analysis. Of course, we also cover Yu-Gi-Oh! news and provide a recap of what happened in the past week to keep you updated and informed. The podcast is on Twitter. Find us at Set5Podcast to stay up to date with what's going on throughout the week and let me know what you think of the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Now, let's get on with the show. Hey, 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 everyone. Hope you all are having a pretty good afternoon. I am here in the Midwest, and around this time of year, we get all types of weird weather. And being in late February, we're experiencing the false spring and a very deceptive winter. We had one day where we got like six inches of snow overnight, and then two days later, we had like a couple days back to back, and it was 55 degree weather, which if you're someone who is sensitive to weather changes, it feels like air pressure whiplash for your allergies. It's not fun. But... You're not here to listen to me talk about Midwest weather. Today, we're going to be on the second part of the series covering all of the crazy column-based decks in Yu-Gi-Oh! and how they compare to one another. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I recommend you give it a listen. I'm not going to reference the previous episode a whole lot, but it will give you a general idea of why we're covering this topic and what we're trying to uncover here. If you listened to last week's episode and you're a little hazy on the details, it's alright. Let me catch up the speed. We're getting Tactical Masters this summer, and with it, it's featuring a really cool column pendulum deck called Valiant. Valiant used pendulum effects and their monster effects to move from the pendulum zones to the monster zones, and then move across your board and trigger additional effects. On top of being tricky, it adds an additional layer to the game, which I feel like all column decks do. For some column decks, It can feel a little bit like a constraint, but for other column decks, you really get to play some fourth dimensional chess in the matchup, and I think that's what makes Yu-Gi-Oh cool. So last week, we covered two of the four archetypes. We talked about S-Force and Magical Musket. I love both of these decks oh so dearly, and I can't really say which one is my favorite, but they use columns, and they're kind of opposite of each other in that way, and it's kind of interesting. In this episode, we're going to tackle the remaining two column decks, Mech Knight and Weather Painter. But before we get to that, here's some Yu-Gi-Oh! news. Yu-Gi-Oh! Speed Duels received a collection of new updates this past week. First, the GX Academy box, which is supposed to contain eight different Speed Duel decks based off the GX characters, was formally announced for release for March 18th, 2022. This set had a leaked image indicating that Speed Duels will see powerful cards in the format such as Volcanics, Cyber Dragon, and some modern Destiny heroes. In addition, containing reprints of game-shaping staples such as Floodgate Trap Hole, Book of Moon, and Sphere Kribo. To tack onto the Speed Duel news, Konami announced another product for Speed Duel called Speed Duel GX, Midterm Paradox Mini Box. Formally launching on August 31st, 2022, this set will include 124 cards for you to upgrade your deck uh, with cards that are used by characters like Bastion, Cyrus, Jaden, and the Paradox Brothers. This set will also contain secret rare reprints of popular GX era cards. There has been rumors going around that with this set launching so close to Power of the Elements, TCG may actually see some Gate Guardian support out of Power of the Elements in the form of some retrains, 
but nothing has been confirmed yet at this time. We're just going to kind of have to wait and see about that. Lastly, the 2022 Megatons have been announced as well as some new Hidden Arsenal Chapter 1 details. The 2022 Megatons will launch on September 16th, 2022 and feature cards from Blazing Vortex, Lightning Overdrive, Dawn of Majesty, Burst of Destiny, and much more. Just thinking about like notable reprints and like the hotcakes that are going to be from this set, we're looking at like Pot of Prosperity, Diviner of the Herald, and Alibur. Since it also contains Burst of Destiny, we may get a DPE reprint, which is pretty awesome. Like that's a pretty turn, like pretty nice turnaround for a reprint. In addition, with the Hidden Arsenal Chapter One, there was some content creator pack openings, and we've seen dual terminal foiling of uh, returning back to the TCG for some much needed reprints like Skill Drain and MVPs from the dual terminal era, such as Naturia Beast and Trishula. Hidden Arsenal Chapter 1 will launch on March 11th, 2022. But in the meantime, let's get back to the topic. First up, we're going to tackle Mech Knights. So Mech Knights was an archetype that debuted in Extreme Force, and they are a series of light psychic monsters. Looking at the names, Mech Knights are all named after a color of the rainbow and some sort of like sky phenomenon. So like Purple Nightfall and Red Moon, things like that. In addition, their names are kind of a shorthand for Mecha Knights because of their artwork kind of shows these monsters looking kind of like mechanical and cyborg-like. Much like everything else from the World Legacy lore, Mecha Knights also have World Legacy support cards that they can use to control the game state. Most of the Mecha Knights share one thing in common. They contain the phrase, if two or more cards are in, in the same column, you can special summon this card from your hand to that column in their effect and use that to their advantage to swarm the board. In addition, most of the Mech Knight monsters are quite beefy, so slapping down monsters with 2500 attack from hand for free and potentially gaining some value off it can catch someone off guard. Flavor-wise, there's no real connection between the column effects and the way these cards operate, at least nothing that I can see. If you see something, let me know. Now. If you've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh for a while, you probably know that Mech Knight is known as one of the better column decks in modern Yu-Gi-Oh. Finding ways to be a substantial deck after a long period of time of not even being remotely modern. To put into context, Extreme Force launched in February of 2018. That is four years ago now. Now, you're probably wondering how this deck utilizes columns besides just dropping themselves on board. Uh, they do it kind of in a couple ways. Some of the mech knights, like Red Moon and Yellow Star, can banish mech knights from the graveyard to either destroy a monster or spell a trap that's in the same column as them, which can be alright but kind of tricky to play into properly unless you're moving them around, which is exactly what Indigo Eclipse does. Now, Indigo Eclipse can move itself around board, but Indigo has two rules here. One, you can summon itself to a column and then move it and then summon another mech knight to that same column, making the most of it if there isn't that much stuff on board. Another thing is using indigo in conjunction with the spells and traps to make the opponent kind of bleed in value. Mech knights have three back row cards that are the real sleepers of the archetype. They're cards that negate the effects of certain card types if those card types are in the same column as a mech knight monster. So a monster in the same column as a mech knight negates effects. Spell in the same column, negate. Trap in the same column, negate that too. 
And with the handy trickery of indigo, even if the opponent tries to play around it, you can use indigo's effect to place itself in chain to the same column as that type of card to negate whatever you need, kind of turning indigo into an omni-negate. Historically, because this archetype relies on the board to have two or more cards in the same column to place themselves on field, Mech Knights have always been seen as a deck that excels at being a going second deck, sometimes utilizing other archetypes to make use of the normal summon that the deck doesn't need to use. Now, let's look at where this deck kind of struggles a bit. First up, because of the note mentioned just a second ago, this deck does not fare well going first unless you're running something else alongside it to make the columns work out for you. If you're going first, you're really banking on making something in the extra monster zone and then having a back row set in the same column. It's doable, but it just requires additional setup to get moving. Now, there has been variants of the deck that utilize other engines to assist in filling columns, such as like Crystal Beast, or even more gimmicky versions of using like the Magistus as they equip all their extra deck monsters to the back row. Another thing, much like many other column decks, this deck really suffers from large board wipes or other events that would make it difficult to establish enough cards in the same column to continue your plays. Despite all having some pretty decent stats, since it's really hard to normal summon any of them because they're all big, this deck is incredibly susceptible to floodgates. Lastly, the main hindering effects of the column control comes from the deck's back row cards, and things like Harvey's Feather Duster, Lightning Storm, or a well-timed Twin Twister can really damage the deck's ability to actually do any real control and bleed resources like they're meant to do. All in all, I would say that for the sake of sheer power and burst damage that this deck can put out, as a going second deck, there's a caveat, Mech Knights have withstood the test of time. However, once the opponent is aware that you're playing Mech Knights, establishing enough cards to set up columns can be a bit tricky to do so, and the opponent can get away if they're playing conservatively. To summarize, this deck has some good surprise factor on a local level. Hell, I can vouch, and if, I, if my vouch really means anything, I want a lot of games on Master Duels with Mech Knights because people are just not aware of the column shenanigans that this deck does. But enough about Mech Knights. Let's move on to the last column deck of our set. This deck was introduced at the same time as our lovely magical muskets, the Weather Painters. Weather Painters are a series of fairy monsters, usually all level 3, but there's a single level 6 in there, and they have a Link monster. Weather Painters are based off various weather phenomenon and then a corresponding color of the rainbow, so flavor-wise, they're very similar to Mech Knights in that way. An extra difference for the Weather Painters is that they all have different artistic mediums that correspond with them. So like wielding a pen or a paintbrush or maybe like using a crayon, things like that. Lastly, this deck contains a series of continuous spells and traps which grant additional effects to your Weather Painters depending on the column that they're in. And all of the spells and traps are like various canvases. So to emphasize on the flavor, the spells and traps, aka the canvases, grant ability to the weather painters that are using that canvas, which I think is like, I don't know, I think that's pretty flavorful. Most of the weather painters share an effect that if they are banished by the effect of one or more of their canvases, they return back on the following turn and almost all of the canvases banish a weather painter for cost to do a variety of things such as like recycling, searching, and disruption in the form of bouncing cards back to the hand or even banishing cards out of the opponent's hand. Looking deeper 
into the Weather Painter playstyle, they use columns very differently than other column decks that we've talked about. For all the canvases, the canvases grant the effects to the Weather Painters in the same column as the canvas and both adjacent columns. So out of five of your monster slots, three of them will get an additional effect, which is pretty good. Now, these effects stack. So once you have several canvases on board, say like one in the far left, one in the far right, and one in the center, you can have painters, like if they're set right, have a minimum of two effects that they could possibly use if they're in the right slots. Since most of these canvases uh, are used to like slowly chip away the opponent's value with the cost of banishing your weather painters, this deck seems to operate on a lot of one-for-one -one trade offs much similar to kind of how like magical muskets work. So compared to all our other column decks, weather painters don't really care where your opponent places their stuff. And you're out here doing your own column shenanigans to your own advantages, which is pretty cool, but it's kind of one-sided. So you can apply that extra layer of column control to the game state and potentially outsmart the opponent, which I don't know, that's pretty nice. Now, one of the things that this deck is weak to is back row removal which is much like how the Mech Knights. So removing all of the Weather Painter canvases and they, don't have a, and they don't really have a way to disrupt the game. Another thing, given that this deck relies so heavily on its back row to grant them the ability to outvalue the opponent, this deck has, almost has to go first always and it doesn't really have a great way of picking off an already established board. Luckily, with things like Regeki at three and evenly matched, you can place these in your main deck and just bait out negates or to simplify the board state if they go through and resolve. Another thing that's kind of tricky is that this is one of those decks that suffers because of stronger high meta decks. Lancia is a hand trap that uh, feels like it's a side deck staple for the past couple formats due to Flowanderies, Phantom Knights, and Sword Soul being in the meta. And this deck is super weak to Lancia since your painters must banish themselves to make use of their effects. A Lancia essentially turns off the main function of weather painters unless they chain all the abilities to that Lancia play. And but that would require sacrificing like essentially all of your board presence and restricting you from making any meaningful push for damage that turn, which is something that a control deck really cannot afford to do. All in all, it feels like Weather Painters are all right right now, but they benefit from so many floodgates currently in the game. The deck can play really well under Rivalry since they're all fairies, and can use newly unlimited cards like Skill Drain since all the effects given to the Weather Painters come from the spells and traps. And by being a banished base deck, this deck doesn't really mind things like Dimension Shifter and Macrocosmos, both incredibly strong cards in the current game. With that being said, if your Weather Painter deck is Floodgate.deck, you're not really making use of the mechanics that the deck was designed to do. One thing to note that I didn't really want to talk about all too much in this episode is that Weather Painters are receiving some new support here soon in Dimension Force, which will immensely bump the deck's ability to be aggressive and control. Just nice. So... Now that we've looked at Mech Knights and Weather Painters, how do they utilize their column mechanic? Well, these two are vastly different from each other, and to me, that's a pretty good thing because it requires completely different methods of play. 
for mech knights mech knights shine best when they go second and make use of the number of cards already like in the columns to slam themselves on board because of this this deck pilots much more like a mid-range like deck uh and it can have an aggressive touch which is you know much needed the fuller the opponent's board is the better your starting turn is going to be however unless you mesh this deck with like another archetype to cover your normal summon it doesn't really have a way to establish an impactful board if you're forced to go first on the flip side looking at weather painters they only care about your own columns it doesn't matter what the opponent does or where they place their cards because weather painters just want to ensure that their monsters gain the right effects from the canvases in their back row but because weather painters are so reliant on their back row this deck really seems to shine best going first and kind of struggles to break establishing boards. Doesn't matter though, we have triple Raigeki and evenly matched nowadays, so going second is kind of a breeze. So comparing these two to our previous features from the last episode, S-Force and Magical Muskets, as I stated in the last episode, and I'll summarize for those who may have forgot, S-Force utilizes columns by going first or second and can really play alongside the opponent's board to make a really tricky game state. By being Yu-Gi-Oh's most recent column deck, it seems like Konami really tried to iron out some of the initial problems that column decks experience overall. So S-Force can play going first or going second, which is amazing. Looking at muskets, muskets are much like weather painters in the sense that they don't really care what the opponent is doing column-wise. But there's times where you'll benefit from the opponent's column misplays as your muskets plus off of any column interaction that's in the back row. It makes sense that they operate similar given that muskets and weather painters dropped in the same set. Really, the two standouts are S-Force and Mech Knight. S-Force utilizes columns by slowly slapping a series of minor floodgates on board and onto anything that's in the same column as an S-Force. And Mech Knight aim to be really aggressive by using the number of cards in the column to their advantage. Of course, mech knights do some column control using their back row, but there are builds that don't really utilize that card. I don't really see why, like given that it's an extra layer of like trouble and difficulty that you can apply onto the opponent, but you know, I don't build everybody's decks. Moving on to the end of the topic, I would say that column decks definitely have a leg up on players who are not experienced uh, with playing against them. Although there are some column decks that don't interact with the opponent's columns all too much, the ones that do can make things pretty difficult pretty fast. Column decks give you an extra challenge to the duel, and if you pilot the deck right, you'll get more reward out of the matchup and additional versatility to the deck's overall playstyle. We're all familiar with the MVP column card, Infinite Impermanence, so why not test the waters and get yourself a little bit more acquainted with something a little bit more tactical? Now, beware though, from what I've covered through all of this, column decks are not a simple like pick up and play deck. Uh, you gotta learn your matchups and play accordingly to make the best use of your interactions. In addition, since columns are a additional factor to your game, these decks do require some thinking and predicting on the opponent's moves so you can be prepared on what you need to do. Closing out, if you haven't picked up yet, I'm a big fan of column decks. I hope this episode made you a big fan as well. Even if it doesn't seem like your thing, give them a shot on Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duels. 
For the most part, some of these decks are relatively cheap, and you get the satisfaction of outplaying your opponent on two fronts, both an advantage and in the and in like a tactical position way, which by the way feels pretty great. Like always, if you liked or disliked something about this episode, or want me to expand on something or have questions about it, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Set5Podcast. Also, be on the lookout for links to the podcast's Discord. I'm trying to cultivate a community where we can all talk about all things Yu-Gi-Oh! But, I'm logging off. I'm your host, JD Shock, aka Juwian, and you're listening to Set5 Pass. <laughs>